The following program is part of the Inner Circle Podcasting Group. Go to innercirclecomics.com for more high-quality podcasts. Therapy episode 82. No reviews, just analysis. I'm Aaron Myers, and my co host, as always, is Andrea Shockling. Up this week, two comics from the past two weeks Neverboy number three from May 6th, and Miss Marvel number 15 from May 13th, 2015. Can't wait to hear how Andrea is going to justify these two comics together. In between segments, listen to another second opinion. And just as a reminder, we never do reviews, but we do talk a lot, so there may be spoilers ahead. Welcome to Comics Therapy. Neither Aaron nor I are licensed therapists, so don't take anything we say seriously. This week, we're talking about the realities we build for ourselves, and what happens when the walls come crashing down. Comics, video games, drugs, love, it's all the same. Literally an opiate for the masses. Sometimes we work so hard to construct the world we want to believe is real, it's all the more painful when the fantasy refuses to usurp real life permanently. And other times, we're so convinced by the illusion that the reveal that it's merely fantasy catches us entirely off guard. Isn't all of reality a fantasy? Is this real life? Right. Is this real life? Sometimes. Sometimes, sadly, I have to say that this is, in fact, our lives, Aaron Myers. Each episode, in between comic segments, you'll hear one listener answering a series of questions, sharing his or her favorite comics, creators, and more. We call it a second opinion. If you'd like to play along at home, you can leave your own response for us to use on a future show. The prompts are on the website, comicstherapy.com, and you can call, Skype, or email your MP3 to us. Remember to read comics responsibly, and always get a second opinion. My name is Avi Chutlin. I'm nine years old, and the first comic that I ever read was an Avengers graphic novel that my mom brought to me after she watched the Avengers movie. In between shows, you can find me on Twitter, at Andrea Shock, and Aaron, at Aaron Myers. The show account is at Comics Therapy. How's your week been? Um, it's been fine, thank you. Just fine? Just fine. Anything exciting to report? Um, it's been a very 90s week. In terms, in terms of speculation? In just comic books, yeah. <laughs> Nobody cares. Why? Why is it a 90s week? Um, let's see. I've been buying... X-Force the movie! No, New Mutants the movie. Oh, shit. <laughs> I'm mostly just excited about Cannonball. I mean, really, that's that's like my Cannonball and Sunspot forever. Right. Like a new, if they actually use those characters, but we'll see. How could they not? Sunspot's already been in one. Yeah, I don't know if they'll recycle like Warpath and Cannonball and, you know, and Sunspot and stuff, or if they... Well, Cannonball hasn't been in any. But Sunspot and Warpath have. Right. Um, I would love to see uh, Warlock show up somehow. Yeah, but yeah, 
But I don't think they're going to use the New Mutants, like, cast like we know them. What do you mean? I think it'll be more of an X-Force movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, the the end of New Mutants and the beginning of X-Force, sure. like, there's a lot of overlap there. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's the, that's the whole transition with Cable and if they tie Deadpool and stuff into it. I mean, I don't know. There's a lot of speculation, but it they're all kind of cool character possibilities. So what does that mean for actual comics this week? In terms of purchasing? Yeah. What'd you buy? Um, I bought a bunch of New Mutants back issues because I just kind of was going through my boxes. And I have, I have like a big chunk of that run, but I don't have all of it. Hmm. So why, like what, what made you pick some over others? In my collection? Yeah. I think they're just, ran- most of those are just randoms that I kind no, of No, I mean like the ones across. that you bought this week. To fill like in, trying to, to fill in to complete that. Um, oh. Okay. Yes. Yeah, there's for, there's a bunch of first appearances that have a lot of possibility. Hmm. Okay. So like, like magic isn't, she, Ileana shows oh, up yeah. in, in Giant Size X-Men number one. Right, right, right. But she doesn't call herself magic until New Mutants 14. I didn't realize it was that early. Mm-hmm. Hmm, okay. Yeah, so that's kind of a cool one. Legion, who is Professor X's son, is in right. New Mutants. And I could set to see him being in the movie. He's a cool character. Let's see who else is there. You know, Warlock, Sunspot. And then all the, you know, the first issues are kind of hot right now. Of? New Mutants. Oh, okay. So, like, the whole, like, where it started in the graphic novel that Marvel put out in 1982. Mm-hmm. Like, I I had a copy of that that I bought for three bucks or whatever, you know, a few years ago. And just threw it up on eBay for $95, and it sold within minutes. You're ridiculous. Hey, whatever. You know, I have to buy a lot of comics. You gotta pay for them somehow. <laughs> and then I'm like, all right, well, are people buying New Mutants number one? And I had two copies in, in the box and sold two of them for 50 bucks each wow wow yeah so but how about that x-force number one polybagged not yet you know i would they, we, <laughs> that was always a joke but people are people are buying up certain ones of the, it's joke. just it's just a weird time in comics to go back to to that to the 90s i've been buying a ton of valiant comics but that's just because of the movie deal also right yeah yeah okay but all but the, wait did you see that i i love how apparently this week in comics news is a new segment on our show sure. <laughs> whatever did you see that um image isn't doing uh retailer variants anymore i did not see that yeah specifically because of the speculation market that was definitely driving things because people were for scrambling for the most limited retailer variants exactly so now they're gonna do variants for the trades that's well i don't think that'll drive the speculation market much i don't think so either and that's sort of what they're banking on but i find it fascinating it is but i don't i don't understand the thinking of limiting the speculation market you should read their statement because there was a little bit more to it than that and then of all of course there was like the inevitable backlash of you know how can image dictate to a creator what they are or are not going to do blah 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 right so i mean there are some creators who sell a ton of books based upon how many variants they put out right right but you know being so outside of that admittedly in the past six months i have purchased more variant covers than i probably have in a decade mm-hmm. 
but that is a hundred percent based on I really like the art and it's for me and as much as possible then I have them signed like for me so I'm aware of but not really feeding into that market yeah I just don't understand why the publisher would care I, I don't know it only but you benefits the statement them. yep yeah they, well they were also there was a lot there was a bit of a backlash because image also is increasing the minimum order size oh I didn't notice too that. and part a lot of like image speculation was based around a lot of books might have you know eight to twelve thousand copies of a first issue printed Mm-hmm. And if you make the minimum order size like 24000 now, it really, it devalues the resale of, of that book. Okay, I'm getting bored. What else do you got? <laughs> I think it's interesting because it'll affect the stories <laughs> that come out. Why? Wait a second. Okay. <laughs> Why? Why is that going to affect the stories? Because you will have a contraction in the market when you do stuff like this. That So there will be fewer books as a result? I would say most image books... At least the first three to six issues, their sales are 50% speculator purchases of people not even buying the book to read. If I recall, that was sort of touched on in in the statement from the publisher because of like the artificial inflation of, uh, you know, early issues and pre-orders and things like that. So trying to, to stamp that out. But I'm not... I, I'm not convinced that that means months from now what we see is actual contraction of available stories. Like that just seems like a very reactionary response. If you stop having pre-orders as big as they do now, they won't. Their the initial cash flow for the creator and the company contracts, mm-hmm. and they don't greenlight as many stories. Fair enough. So what a broken system. It, it, the, yeah, the pre-order system is broken in many ways, but I think the speculator market only only helps the pre-order market. Hmm. I have such a very, very different perspective on it than you do, because it is it is so recently that I've even started going through the previous catalog, and that's like my only access to this giant machine that yeah. keeps like the comics in in the stores, but it's... It's so counter to the way that most people buy anything. Oh yeah, but I, I don't I don't pre-order comics. <laughs> like based I understand on how speculation stupid it sounds. Anything. Where I'm like, gosh, did you know that this is the way that it works? Because like you guys all know that this is the way that it works. But I'm I'm sort of continually like, whoa, this is crazy pants, and like I I pre-order or try to pre-order as much as possible uh, with Conrad at Escape Pop Comics, and now I'm like hey, I understand why this is important, and this is still fucking bananas. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I, I I am learning very slowly what, uh, what bullshit this <laughs> whole thing is to put up with like that. Well, I had a, I had a moment. I was in the store um, the other day, and, and somebody was picking up. She was picking up her box, and she hadn't picked it up for a month or so, I guess. And so there's a big stack of comics. And she started going through them and just putting some aside, saying, like, she didn't, uh, she didn't have any interest in them anymore. And I almost, like, I almost lost it on her. Like, like to me, it's hard because it's, like, if I pre-order something, even if I'm not into it by the time it comes out, it was, like, my commitment. It, fe- yeah. it feels like I, this is my commitment to purchase this, or at least three, and then to tell you to drop it. 
But it's not a pre-order for the customer. It's a pre-order for the store. And that's that's the part that's just like really shitty to the store's bottom line is that if you don't right. if you don't say no, I don't want this in advance, then they've ordered it for you. It's just that you didn't make you didn't actually put up any money for it. Right. And <laughs> that's what's so weird. I don't know. Well, different know. stores do it differently. Some stores can't afford that, so they'll some. I've heard of some stores requiring like a down, you know, like a deposit, basically, if you're going to open a mm. box. Sure. Because that okay. way, if you if you flake out or don't pick it up, then they're not right. totally out of money. You know, others just if you decide to put it back on the shelf, you can put it back on the shelf. Right. But um, yeah, it's to me, it's like I could I can't even fathom like okay, let's see what you got for me this week. Oh uh, yeah, I don't want this. Oh yeah, I don't want this. <laughs> Right. I was like, what? No, you ordered that. You told them I to hold it for there's you. There's nothing else that's like this, right? I, I, can't, I can't translate this particular method of commerce to any other industry. Um, maybe like a, like a, you know, a CSA farm? No. When I had a CSA in Pittsburgh, you picked up your box. That was it. If you didn't want the shit that was in your box, trade it with another, uh, another subscriber. Yeah, but you true. couldn't right. hand the eggs or the carrots back to the <laughs> right. the people and be like, actually, I, I don't want these. Right, that's true. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. It's a very, yeah, it's a really weird system. Yeah. Anyway, hmm. do you want to talk about the actual comics that we, you know, get? I guess. You know, it's all it's all connected, man. <laughs> oh, boy. It's, all, it's interesting and in how, like, people interested in comics now are interested because of TV and movie stuff. Yeah. This is not bad. It, I just... It's very hard to not be super insular about it. You know, sure. like the, yes. the the essay that was in The New Yorker this week mm-hmm. that was ill-informed and sort of tongue-in-cheek, and it was written by Dr. Jill Lepore, who I really like in a lot of other circumstances, right. but it rubbed a lot of people the wrong way because of the misinformation and because of how how cheeky it was about things that we being in our little bubble feel really strongly about Mm. and know a lot about so like for the record i thought that the essay was a a, a terrible idea and an unfair approach and blah 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 bad news bears but we as a comics community somewhat small in number are probably ill-equipped to have an objective response or even a reasonable subjective response to an article like that because we aren't necessarily the intended audience. We know too much. We... I guess, but the here here's my problem with that essay. Oh, there are still problems with that mentality. But go ahead. It wasn't so much like oh you didn't know or oh how about you 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 know you know these facts. It was the perspective it's written from and who's writing it. So mm-hmm. So yeah. the author is a highly educated journalist, right? True. Not, not, this isn't a mommy blog about how they got, you know, a, a BuzzFeed campaign or something and they got sent A-Force to read with their kids. Right, you're right. You know, it's an academic writing this. And you're so right. the lack of academic thought... Consistent and, yeah. ap- academic. Right. Yeah, because there's that whole middle section where... There was an attempt at legitimizing the perspective and brought in, you know, some of some of her background, you know, having written about 
Wonder Woman before. And again, that all leads to why I was tremendously disappointed mm-hmm. in the piece to begin with. But we have a very limited view on it. Like, it's impossible for you or I to remove the, like, knowledge base that we kind of speak from. But isn't, as the experts, isn't it our place then to say what you have put out is harmful and misinformed to the general public who doesn't know better one way or the other? First of all, neither of us are experts, but that's adorable. But, no, but that's sure, not fair. we can have, I can, I, we I, can I, have the opinion... We can have the opinion that it was not the best approach. I think I would have a hard time really standing up and saying that it was harmful. Those are strong words. But like you and I talked about, G. Willow Wilson's response was extraordinary. It was clearly articulated about why uh, Dr. Lepore's approach in general was was unfortunate and and misguided but i think that it stopped short of saying like thanks for ruining comics for us dr lapore thanks for spreading intentionally spreading this misinformation and i i i don't know i think that the the i think the line in the sand there is ignorance versus intent and I think the intent was to be kind of cheeky and kind of light. And we all didn't see it that way because well, it's, like, it's it, very personal. Not only that, it's also like, oh, well, this is supposed to be a cheeky and light discussion about racism. Because we're, because, I understand because your point. The main I, thrust I of can't this make story that same metaphorical about... leap in the two, the two like content areas that we're talking about. But I understand your point. But no, we're talking about, we're talking about sexuality, equality, and, you know, and and gender in in this in her piece representations of women in the media right so to be flippant and cheat and cheeky about that maybe not the best approach especially given as you said who the writer is who a cap- a writer capable and who can do better right <laughs> very capable of speaking to these subjects yeah writing right. for a a prominent and academic you know publication right yeah like i said it's not it's not better housekeepings you know oh careful oh just saying you know there's there are audiences for things where it would be like if if you read that it'd be like who you know most people reading that you'd have to take a much different approach to it i wonder oh man this is fascinating i wonder if i could even find this seems like maybe a job for cameron what's the overlap of audiences with uh, like comics readers and New Yorker subscribers, probably pretty decent. I I I kind of think so. Depending on the age of the reader, I think that yeah, I would say a lot Yorker... of like younger people might not even subscribe right. to them, unless New Yorker has like a digital subscription service. Uh, they do. I guess that they actually just shows how old I am. Like they have a an absolutely fabulous iPad app. Yeah, they were one of the first ones to have like a fucking phenomenal iPad app with with the ads and everything which in the New Yorker can sometimes be um, you know kind of delightful <laughs> yes anyway <laughs> you want to talk about comics for real yeah, we could talk about the New Yorker for a while <laughs> shut up alright let's talk about comics I guess I read most of my comics in print I get them from Escape Pod Comics I have a pool list there 
that Conrad puts all of my subscriptions in and sometimes some extra comics that he thinks I might like. Our first book this week is Neverboy Number 3, written by Sean Simon, with art by Tyler Jenkins. Colors are by Kelly Fitzpatrick, and letters are by Nate Picios. Neverboy Number 3 was published by Dark Horse Comics on May 6th. You know, all that extra time I had to get this shit together, and I didn't write summaries this week. Awesome. Great job. (laughs) High five across the internet, Aaron. Mm. (laughs) Okay, so the premise of... Neverboy is we've got an imaginary friend who refused to leave reality after his real life little boy died. And in order to perpetuate his existence in real life, uh, he does a lot of drugs. And over the years, he has acquired a family, which he sort of borrowed from a billboard, kind of an awesome touch. And he is uh, struggling to stay in real life and resisting the kind of imagination authorities attempts to basically put him back in the box. And he has hooked up with an artist who was a big hotshot in the past and now drives a cab, was, was just, just uh, kicked out of his apartment. He's got no inspiration. And the two are kind of in a perfect symbiotic relationship of taxi driver slash drug supplier and imagination inspiration supplier. And there you have it. Who would more than hap- more than happily switch places with each other. Yeah. How remarkable is that? Yeah, it's the it's a very grasses grass is greener. greener. Yeah. Which is Yeah is I, I think is a really interesting aspect of it because the con- they both know the consequences too of of these switching places. Do they though? Because I feel like they are both very like the theme that we're talking about today. They are really content with the fantasy and the consequences of the reality are are somewhat non-existent that's i would say both characters have a high level of narcissism and self-involvement is that what is necessary to to like surround yourself in in fantasy like that for various reasons depending on you know depending on the on the reason you are the self you know you could be a highly depressed and and feel very valueless and still be a narcissist you know I think that it's interesting that you would classify the artist as a narcissist because I would almost put him at the opposite end of the spectrum. Like he's so self-flagellating and so... Isn't that the same though? It's the same of like somebody saying that they're the greatest and somebody saying they're the worst are still sort of these, you know, inward... Cries for attention. Yeah, right. So, you know, you can Hmm. take either approach to it. Yeah, okay. So I think, you know, I, I I see that. It doesn't mean it's not a judgment on good or bad. It's just it's personality trait, you know, trait. But part of that sort of unable to look beyond their self, you know, there, there, there are warnings and consequences to crossing over to each other's worlds that they are, yes. that they are choosing at, not only to ignore, to actively subvert. No, you're right. You're right. And, and... At least in the case of Neverboy, he he's 
he's a little bit like right hand, left hand, you know, very quick to uh, talk about the severe consequences of the artist entering the diner, this kind of actual physical gateway into imagination land, Mm -hmm. right? All of fantasy and reality come crashing down together and everything ends. That's, that's bad. And he doesn't want that. And so he's, he's resisting it. But for, for his hold onto his own fantasy, though, the consequences are like no big deal. It's it's worth it because he wants his well, sure. he wants it's, to be with his wife. Right, it's easy to judge other people. For, yeah, but you know we're we don't have to judge ourselves. Right, right. I mean that I do it all the time. I hadn't really considered their similarities. I had been mostly struck by how one has everything to live for and one has nothing to live for. Sort but, of. I don't. Yeah, I don't see. But that's not. It's not quite like you're. You're right. It's not. It's not quite as simple. And you also see with Neverboy that what he thinks he has to live for is just a construct that has turned against him. Mm-hmm. It is the willful, willful, what I'm trying to think of, like... Denial. Yeah, denial of reality. Whether it's the, whether so, it's the imagination land reality or, you know, the real world's reality and to escape into each other's imagination lands. So what we find in in issue three with with Neverboy is that like he's he's worked so hard to maintain his grasp on his fantasy wife and and son and then she leaves him and and takes the boy and suddenly his fantasy has more control over him than he does on his on his fantasy Mm -hmm. no one's become a nightmare too oh my god it's so it's so that was such a huge moment. It was very sad because that's his everything, and then suddenly it's his nothing. But it's also and his construct too. It's like exactly I love the level he can't of... just walk away from it because he's the one who created yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah, it's so I like the levels of kind of trapped, you know that that every yeah. character has here, because even his wife is like, "Don't stop taking drugs because I don't want to stop existing." <laughs> right. But I don't want to exist with right, you. Yeah. Just part, part of our separation agreement is you can keep seeing your son as long as you keep taking the drugs so we don't disappear. It has a, a, a bit of an Inception-y vibe to it because of all of the layers of reality also and, and how you can set up what you want for this kind of foundational fantasy layer. But then the deeper you go into it, the less control you have and the more fucked up it's going to be. And uh, obviously with the addition of <laughs> the reliance on the, the drugs, there's a bunch of inconsistency there. Mm-hmm. So it, it's, it's really not like neither of them, Neverboy or the, the artist are, uh, you know, in, in touch with, with sort of healthy fantasy lives. <laughs> yeah, right. Absolutely. <laughs> Super but it, But the artist in particular, too, like finding inspiration and having that go away. And it's, his, you know, the drug available to him now. He's an addict, and it's like there's a, a limitless supply of imagination just there on the other side. Yeah, that's also... Uh, that's an interesting 
point. I mean, they're they are both addicts, although that word is never used. Mm-hmm. But they but, they but they're are, addicted to each other's realities. A, yeah, they both have a need for what the other can supply to get away from their reality and into their fantasy, which is preferable to the reality. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, not only that, it's it's what has has driven both of them. You know. Like the the artist is so a, is, is a man without who's been, he's not sober. He's just dry. He's sure. just dry. Right, 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 right. But so because it's mutually beneficial, then is it sustainable? Well, no. We are, they already know that if they continue to exist in each other's, you know, if they exist in each other's realities the way they are, they threaten to destroy everything. But maybe there's a balance that can be achieved. Maybe maybe it's an actual equilibrium because. There are there are two of them, or or sure that's a possibility. Or is it is it a matter of it goes back to like the whole addict thing, like acceptance as a final stage. Yuck. Well, I mean, <laughs> reality is not not the easy way out, you know. Right. right. So they're they're avoiding that. Yeah, but in in one case, it means lack of existence, and in the other case it means lack of artistic existence which is arguably the same thing so i say drugs 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 try to avoid that reality as long as possible (laughs) how's that working out for you so far (laughs) i'll let you know in about a month Mm, all right (laughs) uh you want to talk about our next book yeah my favorite reoccurring series right now is avengers assemble season two Avengers Assemble Season 2 is an all-ages Avengers saga that has each issue based on a single Avenger. Another reoccurring series that I really like is Star Wars because I'm obsessed with sci-fi comics, and I also really like Star Wars. Our second book this week is Miss Marvel number 15, written by G. Willow Wilson. Art is by Takashi Maezawa. Colors are by Ian Herring, and lettering is by Joe Karamanga. Miss Marvel was published by Marvel Comics on May 13th. This is a, a petty pronunciation thing, but you always say Miss Marvel, not Ms. How come? Um, I don't really understand grammar or... No, for real. Is it just, do you, do you say M.S. as Miss all the time? Yes. Or do you do it because she's little? No. Maybe hmm. So, like, if you had a teacher... I, that's what I was curious about. If you had a teacher who was... Miss, M-I-S-S, you would say it the same as if you had a teacher who was M-S. Yes. Huh. Okay. I don't know if that was everyone. I think I have, I have certain, like, grammatical inconsistencies that got cemented early on. Something is up with your programming, I think. Uh, maybe. I mean. should get that checked out. It's good to have quirks. (laughs) It makes you seem more human. (laughs) Just as a side note, if anyone hasn't seen um, Ex Machina, you should. Oh, because of robots, right? Yeah, it's a good... Is it really... It's really fantastic? Yeah, it's really good. Really okay. interesting movie. Cool. Hey, there was robots in that Age of Ultron movie that we didn't talk about. Yeah, yeah, that was fine, too. <laughs> okay, so, Ms. Marvel, 15. Yeah, how, what's your summary of it? Oh, man. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, so, we've worked through a couple of big moments with Kamala now she's fought alone and with a partner and with 
part of a group and she's completed like her first arc against one kind of bad guy and is now moved on to another kind of bad guy and is I feel like really hit her stride as part of the larger Marvel story and I think that's important to understand contextually with what's happening with this book right now is is I know that we spend more time than we should talking about continuity but her connection back to the Terrigen gases, I think, is super important because it it kind of what is what makes her new like existence relevant to the bigger story. Just like we talked about a couple of weeks ago with existing characters versus brand new characters, mm-hmm. she she was like literally born from something that was happening that was affecting a lot of other people, mm-hmm. a lot of you know bigger picture story things. And so even though we spend most of our time with with her like down on the ground, you know, on the streets, right? There is a bigger connection to the Marvel universe that I really appreciate because I think this this book needs to be around for forever. Well I think I she, think you're right. She needs to be around for forever. Sure. I think you're right. I would argue though that this whole series so far has been about family and it's the her family she was born to and then the new family she was born into. Yes. And so this is yes. now, like, the first arc dealt a lot. And even this, this arc, too, deals with her home life. But now mm-hmm. we're dealing with the, the, the new inhuman life, the inhuman family she's part of. Exactly. Exactly. But you couldn't just jump into that without getting to know her as a person first. Right. Mm-hmm. Or you could, but, like, I think it has less impact. Yeah. So I think contextually, it's just, it's important to like, take a minute and say, here's where she is. Who knows what that means going into June and all of the crazy stuff that Marvel is throwing at us. But right now, as a person, Kamala has both her kind of like micro and macro place in the Marvel universe pretty, I think, solidly determined. Yeah. So, as a result, what we have is... Can we call it recruitment? It sure seems like. Sure. <laughs> we, have, we have the identification of her importance to the Inhumans and the various factions within the Inhuman groups kind of at play here. And, and that, that Medusa, who had previously been assisting her and, like, quite literally saved her life and... Lockjaw, of course, and like that whole brood. But now we have, dun dun dun, we have the other side Mm -hmm. that is vying for her attention and affection and kind of wooing her. (laughs) In in their way, I guess. Oh, well, I mean, absolutely. Are you kidding? That's, that, that's the whole, that's the whole premise is that like the vulnerability of young love, right? You can capitalize on that and be like, hey... Yes, but so, I, I like the, it shows the depth, we see the depth of her character that, because, because she, she turns it down. Yeah, that she, she sees through it. She doesn't see through it very quickly. No, but she, she, because there's a, there, she's, she's in this whole cusp of life where she's, she's battling internally, you know, uh, adherence to her faith, you know, adherence to her family, not wanting to disappoint you know, those around her, but then 
the outside world and the lure of, you know, physical attention and affection and parties and everything else. And now, you know, superhero in stuff too. Mm-hmm. And all And if you're already constructing a secret identity to keep keep reality away from your family, like what's one more layer to that? Yeah, like where 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 do you draw the line that lies? And mm-hmm. obfuscation and when do you say you know, it's very easy to say, Oh well then this doesn't matter either. Right. Um, so it takes a, a strong you know, just like most good heroes have a strong moral center that that they fall back into. It's certainly a departure from either of the characters in, in Neverboy. Sure. Because she has the opportunity to just immerse herself completely in fantasy at with the sacrifice of some very strong personal ideals and like that, that moral compass that is so, uh, like so strong within her. But she could, she could just say it's not that big of a deal and hang out with this boy she's crushing on and it'll be fine and she and they are inhuman so they've got a lot in common and maybe they have a good point to make and she could very easily be swept off into that but there is you're right there's like something stronger within her that says no and and that's kind of awesome Mm -hmm. so it so it is that it is that other side of Sure, you know the the walls of of the of the romance she thought was was budding and somebody you know it it's the kind of thing too as these characters mature like how do how do you not become embittered, right? If if you actually have an actual progression of a character's uh, personality, you know mm-hmm. when every potential love interest is actually you know a villain in disguise or going to be kidnapped or something bummer. like that right it's like how can you ever <laughs> really learn to trust you'd be such a paranoid you know freak that you wouldn't be able to function in society mm-hmm. um, so it'll be interesting as time goes on if that kind of you know that kind of character stuff is 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 played out especially as a teenager where you're already so worried about how everyone perceives you right i hadn't thought about it like that she has uh, such a a good head on her shoulders, though. I mean, she's she's so practical. I think that's one of the reasons why these past several issues where she was quite deliberately out of character, you know, she was swept up in this this crush and sneaking out in ways that she wouldn't. You know, there's this, like, line that she tiptoes. Mm-hmm. That sneaking out to save the world is cool. Sneaking out to hang out with a boy, that's not her style. Yeah. That's not her reality. But she was doing that. Uh, so I think that it was... it was. But she wasn't, was she wasn't the, sneaking out to eat a plate of ribs, drink a fifth of uh, you know, vodka, and go make out. Well, you can... You can baby steps. <laughs> sure. <laughs> it, it is striking that that she did that and that then she had the wherewithal to to say you know what this isn't actually me and this isn't this isn't my life right now and i'm not okay with that uh, and a lot and the reality a, a lot of people might make that decision after making those mistakes you know for a while mm-hmm. she's got a lot of good things going for her as a character she's a good kid like she 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 is <laughs> but kamala she's a good kid 
<laughs> you know, I've, I've said before how much secret identities in general are like the bottom of the barrel for me. I, I, I hate that setup and I hate the anxiety of, of being found out. And so as long as there are a couple of allies for a character, like if, as long as not every single person is, is like immune to the, to the ruse, I'm, I'm usually okay. So she's got Bruno, right? And so he can, he can help her as necessary and, and they're friends and there's, there's some great like chemistry between them. But I actually don't mind the secret identity stuff with her because I think because of her age, I think there's something like the dichotomy of your life at home and your life outside of home when you're a teenager, it fits really well with, with the balance of like the fantasy and reality of Kamala Khan and Ms. Marvel. I agree. <laughs> but I can't think of anything negative to say about this book, so I'm not not gonna not gonna try. That's fine. That's fair. We don't have to. <laughs> do you do you read this one to to Luke? No. When? A couple more years? Maybe. maybe. Yeah. I just like I don't think his attention span is there yet. Okay. Like we read Scooby Doo and My Little Pony. Yeah. No, that makes sense. And he, I mean, he loves Teen Titans, so we read Teen Titans, and we read the... But those are in, like, little tiny bites. Yeah. Mm -hmm. This one is a much more... Yeah, I don't think we're really ready for, like, the ongoing story type stuff. Mm -hmm. That makes sense. And it depends on the kid. I think there are definitely kids at five that are are down with that. It it just Mm -hmm. doesn't, it doesn't work. Just not your kid. The most ongoing (laughs) story we have is we watch The Flash together, and Mm -hmm. he's into that. I'm not watching that one anymore. He's into it. Cool. And I think he will like the um, the, the spinoff show, too. How about Daredevil? Do you watch that with yeah, him, Yeah, of course. Yeah, but we watched that in one day. I just got him up, I got right. him up real early and we just powered through it. <laughs> That's the way yeah, to do it. Yeah, get it all done at once. Just like this you know, show. I'm still not finished with it. I'm, I think I'm on... Man, I can't remember. I think we stopped at, like, nine. No. Well, he dies at the end. I hate you. Why would you even joke about that? Just telling you. By this time, you should have watched it. You've had ample opportunity. <laughs> well, you know, there's other stuff to watch, mm-hmm. and it's pretty intense. Yeah, that's why I liked watching it basically in a day and a half. So that then you could just be done with it's, it? It's weird, because some things, um, kind of, just because I, I was into it. I just wanted to keep watching it, and my emotions yeah. were turned up to that level. And to turn them down and turn them back up, it's more fatiguing. I guess. But I think it depends on which emotions you're tapping into. Sometimes I feel that way at, after a couple of episodes of Gilmore Girls. Sure, I'll take your word for it. <laughs> Super intense in a different well, way. Well, like Breaking Bad, it took episode. me years. Like I watched the first season and a half, and I just turned it off. I'm like, this, this is. I haven't me watched out. that one yet. It was just too much for a long time, and then I got back yeah. to it. I remember when you were watching that. Yeah, those were man. Were we ever so young? Those. Halcyon days. <laughs> sure. Can we end this? <laughs> Speaking of getting things done all at once. Oh, Aaron, I missed you. Mm. Thanks for making time in your busy schedule for me this oh, week. You're welcome. I'm glad we could figure it out. <laughs> it's not me who has to schedule things. It's those kids. Yeah. We yeah, can record yeah. any time. Just it, there will be a constant soundtrack of screaming and fighting and wailing and things crashing. That's the soundtrack of my house when they're not when they're here 
That sounds so peaceful and pleasant. No wonder you're not high strung at well, all. It's, you know, I only have myself to blame since they're all a construct of my mind. <laughs> and on that note, don't forget to pre-order your comics at your local comic shop or subscribe to them digitally. Information about this and any other episode of Comics Therapy is on our website, comicstherapy.com, and we will see you next week. I recommend the Runaway series. I've been reading the collected volumes. If you aren't already re reading the, these comics, I recommend that you do because they are a really cool series about some teenage aged kids who found out that their parents were super villains, but later they find out that they were doing everything just for them. <laughs>